Everybody can kind of read the same thing. Some days there are about 12 verses, some days there's as little as three, um, but we're just trying to stay together. So, like I said a little bit earlier, maybe Advent's not something you did. Maybe it seems odd, but again, the goal of Advent is it's more than candles. Like, candles are cool. I mean, it kind of makes me, you know, it brings back my pyro days because when I was a kid, I, anything that I could light on fire, I did because it was just fun. And that's what brothers did down in Possum Kingdom. We lit stuff on fire and sometimes each other on accident. But, so that's great. But the whole point of Advent, honestly, is just to take something that we hear a lot because we talk about the Christmas story a lot. I mean, we can see it in Charlie Brown. We can see it. Uh, we've got books. You know, there's even country songs that tell the story over. And so if it's made it into country song culture, then it's pretty much mainstream right now in the United States. Um, and there's even terrible country Christmas songs too. But either way, the good ones tell the Christmas story. So we're used to that story. So it's pretty easy for us to, to hear the story of Jesus being born in a manger, angels singing and shepherds in the field, and to hear all of that and just to kind of be like, yeah, we've heard this. We heard it last year. We heard it the year before. We heard it in July on some odd radio stations. Like we've heard this. But the goal of Advent, at least the way I think about it now, is like, I want to hear this story, and I need to hear it for what it is, just the, the craziness, the ludicrousness of it, the, the insanity of the Christmas story that, that all together makes something incredibly beautiful, that makes something miraculous, that makes something that should not be, and that's the way that I want to hear it every year. And so as, as someone who, who seeks to know Scripture and know the Bible, know God through that, and then as someone who's a pastor, like, my goal is, man, I don't think that we have to add anything to this story. You know, I don't think there's anything that we need to add to this. Like, if we read it word for word for the story that's there, like, it should, like, it should affect us. It should do something in us. So here's the goal. From a teaching standpoint, from a learning standpoint, uh, do our best not to, not to come at it from a place that, yeah, I've heard this before, or even that I'm trying to hear something new, but just hear it for what it is. Hear, like, the craziness of what goes on. The passage that we're going to look at today... Um, we're going to be talking about just kind of one word each week. Uh, that's kind of the goal of Advent, and there's different calendars that represent that. Uh, last week, uh, we would have kicked off with hope if we would have been together. Today, we're on kind of the love, I mean, the faith idea, and we'll look at love and we'll look at peace before uh, Christmas comes. But today, we're just going to be looking at this idea of, of faith. Um, and specifically, we're going to be reading about Mary. And, and here, here's our goal. Like, I want us to look at her faith but I want us to ask the question, like, what does it mean for mine? What does it mean for me? Not, not even us. Like, but today, I want us to think about, like, the me, like, I statements. Like, what does this mean for my faith? How does, how does it look? What do I need to glean from this and learn from this? Um, I love this. Man, I love these, these 12 or so verses that we're going to read this morning. So I'm going to pray and kind of bring my caffeine high down just a little bit, and we're going we're gonna to jump in and read. God, we love you. We thank you for time. We thank you for the beauty that rests in this season, God, what we get to celebrate as a faith family, what we get to celebrate as, as your church, as your body. Um, God, I pray that we can hear it and it can, move us to, uh, it can move us to worship, it can move us to praise, it can move us to celebration, but God, it can also move us to bold faith. Uh, the kind of faith that, that does something, that doesn't just sit still and remain quiet, but the kind of faith that moves, the kind of faith that is loud, uh, the kind of faith that is very obvious and that has effects for your kingdom. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for Jesus. And God, I thank you that we get to worship today. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Luke chapter 1. Um, we're going to start in verse 26 and go through 38, and basically what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the story, 
you know, just straight through. And, and I feel like I should be in a rocking chair um, with a fire behind me and a cup of hot chocolate. And, you know, I would love to do that, except the fact that I'm already short. And if I sat in a rocking chair, most of you wouldn't see me. Um, so I can't do that. So I'm, we're going to be here doing it like this today. Uh, so Luke chapter 1, verse 26. It says, in the sixth month, that's the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, by the way, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph in the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he said to her, uh, he came to her and he said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is, his, this is her sixth month, uh, this is the sixth month with her, who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, or look, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Again, like if we read this and we just go ahead and we assume the next line, we know how it goes. If we do that, we don't see that this is one of the craziest stories in the entire Bible. Like, if we look at the Old Testament, there's some crazy stuff. Like, if you read about Elijah and Elisha and some of the things that they did, I mean, at one point, bears devoured kids because they made fun of a bald head. Like, there's some crazy stuff in the Old Testament. But if we look at this, like, with fresh eyes and a fresh heart, and we read it for what happens, and you try to put yourself in the shoes or the sandals of Mary, you're going to be like, man, that is some crazy stuff. It's just insane. And so... You know, in community groups, when we story, and we haven't done that in a couple seasons, we're going to bring it back soon of just this idea of storing. We tell a story, then we retell a story. So let me, let me retell this story just to rebuild it in the best way that we can. There's this girl. She's probably a teenager, and her name's Mary. She's pledged to be married to somebody, but she's not there yet. She's, she's really young. She's innocent, and she lives kind of in this backwater town. You know, nothing super important here, nothing super spectacular about her. And one night she gets visited by an angel. Not just any angel, but the angel Gabriel. And if there's a named angel in Scripture, it's a pretty big deal. We've got Michael, we've got Gabriel, and then we just have some supporting characters. So he's a pretty big deal. And so he comes and, and he visits her, and to be honest, it kind of scares her a little bit because he said, hello, Mary, you're the one that God smiles at. Like his favored. Like we think about, what does it mean to be favored? And so he's like, you're the one that when God thinks about, he smiles. And obviously, she's like, uh, I don't know what you mean. I'm a little confused right now. And so he says, no, 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 don't, don't be confused. Don't be afraid. Um, understand that you have found, like you have brought joy to God by the way that you've lived. And he said, I need to tell you something. Uh, in a bit, you're going to give birth. And she's like, mm, can't, can't happen. <laughs> There's some things that need to occur for that to happen, can't happen. He's like, no, 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 I know, but you're going to give birth. And not just birth to anyone, but you're going to give birth to the Son of God. And on him is going to rest everything. He's going to be God with us, and you're going to give birth. And of course, she's shocked. She's dismayed. And again, that can't be possible. He's like, no, it is. It'll be possible. As a matter of fact, your cousin, Elizabeth, uh, she's old, 
And she was barren. She shouldn't have children. She's with child too, about six months ahead of you. And then after all of that, she just simply says, and I want to read this one verbatim. Um, After the angel says, understand that nothing is impossible with God, she says this in verse 38. And Mary said, behold, or look, I am the servant, the bond servant, the doulos, that one that is indebted to God. Let it be so according to his word. And the angel departed. So all of that, and her conclusion was, after everything, because it's, I mean, it is, like, it's crazy. If we read it and we try to, to put ourselves in her shoes, like, yes, we would be freaked out. We would be scared to death. We would probably argue with this shiny, angelic being, because most likely, this is Gabriel. He's probably pretty bright, and, and so we would probably argue and be scared to death, too. But at the end of it, her concluding statement is this, as you say it will happen, it will happen. I'm God's servant. I'll do whatever you want. Man, for us... Like, without adding to or taking away anything from from this passage, I just want us to ask the question, like, how is this possible for Mary? And I'll go ahead and give you the answer. is because she had faith like no other in this time. She was demonstrating her faith like no other in this time. And so I want us to look at just a couple of things that her faith uh, reveals about her and reveals about faith, but also the things that it needs to reveal about us. I'm not going to spend a ton of time because today we're also going to celebrate through communion. It's the first Sunday of the month, and we felt it was time to bring that back. Uh, We're going to do it as safely as possible. I'll give you instructions on how we're going to do that, but uh, we just want to celebrate together and worship through that today too. So I think this is the first thing that we see. Uh, Going through verse 31, verse 30, let me read it again. It says, In the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin promised to be married to a man who was Joseph in the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the one that makes God smile. The Lord is with you. And she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting that might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. The first thing that we need to see about Mary's faith that needs to teach us something about our faith is that uh, when we have faith, fear takes a back seat. When we truly have this type of faith, when our heart is in line with God's, when we are believing in the words of God, the path of God, the pursuit of God, the purpose of God, uh, fear takes a back seat to our faith. Fear takes a back seat. Like if we, if we jumped over to Mark and we looked at when uh, Jairus came to Jesus and said, come to me, my daughter, she's at the point of death, can you please heal her? And then there was a little interruption of a woman who had a bleeding disorder that touched the hem of Jesus' garment and was healed. Pretty amazing story right there. But uh, when Jairus uh, gets closer to his home, some servants come out and they say, don't trouble the teacher or the rabbi any further. Your daughter's dead. And Jesus turned to the three that were with him and he said, or the four, and he said, don't be afraid, just believe or have faith. What we see with Mary and what we see with Jairus and what we see from the mouth of Jesus after he grew up is if faith is there, fear is not. If faith is there, fear is not. Now, that doesn't mean that fear doesn't creep in. It doesn't mean that it can't play a role. It doesn't mean that we don't experience it, but it means that the words of faith are louder than the words of fear. The words of faith are louder than the words of fear. Like, if we go back and look at the Old Testament, we have a a plethora of stories in which people should have been afraid, but they chose to believe. We look at David and Goliath. We look at this pipsqueak David, ruddy as he was, faced a giant. He wasn't afraid because he believed. We look at, at all the Israelites crossing the Red Sea, Moses walking out first, parting the Red Sea, standing in the midst of two walls of water that should have crushed him, enveloped him, drowned him, but he chose to believe. We look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego 
crazy story in the book of Daniel. Three guys plus one walking around in fire. They had every right to be afraid, yet they chose to believe. And when Mary is visited by this, this Gabriel who is shining and tells her, you are the one who has made God smile, you're going to have a baby that you don't make, and it's going to be God himself. Every reason in the world for all eternity to be scared out of her slippers. But she chose to believe. And I think for us, it's, it's highly unlikely, 99.99% chance, it's highly unlikely that we'll ever experience what Mary experienced. That's not going to happen again. I can say that with, with almost, almost 100% certainty, but God can do whatever He wants. But either way, it won't happen. But there will be great opportunity for us to be afraid of the plans of God. There will be huge opportunity for us to choose fear over faith on a day-to-day, hourly basis. Because the longer that we follow God, here is the guarantee. He will ask us to do something that is scary. He is going to require of us, ask of us, implore us, draw us through His Spirit, interacting with our soul. He is going to ask us to do something that should scare us, that should challenge us. Man, I think it starts for a lot of us, I think it, and, and I hate to step on your purse strings, but I think for a lot of us it starts with him asking us to be faithful with our money, to be stewards of our money, to give of our money. I, I know that there were times for Abby and I where that was a scary thought. Like, we've been convicted that the tithe is the way that our family will function, the tithe plus, like, that's, that's our conviction, it's sacrificial, it's regular, it's generous, it's all those things. And there were times, to be honest, where we lived on way below the poverty line, and that's a scary thought, to think that we need this money, but God is desiring that we give it to Him, for Him to use, to give it back. It's not ours. It's a scary thought, and that's, that's small, so maybe for you it's scary to think about letting go of something that you feel so strongly about, like money. We choose faith over fear. Maybe, maybe you are, are one of those people in which you feel like God is drawing you into like lifelong getting paid to do it ministry, and you know that getting paid to do it's not going to be that much, and you leave comfort. A couple years ago, I got to go spend some time out on the West Coast with a, a church uh, called Real Life, and um, really neat group of people. And and one of the guys that I met, um, I went to his house, and it was it was monstrous. And I'm like, I'm kind of confused right now. And because I know this church and I know the way that they, they spent their money and I'm looking and I'm like, how do you, you know, have, I'm, I'm confused. Like, do you have another job? He's like, no, I'm full time. And so, and then he took me fishing and, and, you know, everybody else on the water had 40 horsepowers. He had 140 horsepower and that might not mean anything to you, but that motor was a lot more. And so I get to talking to him and it turns out that this cat beforehand uh, was making seven figures a year. Seven figures, that's a lot of them. That's a lot of zeros. And, and he was making seven of those a year, and then God had raised him up from a non-believer to a believer to a community group leader to a disciple maker, and then eventually the church approached him and they said, um, man, we have seen the way that God has gifted you, and our belief is that God wants you to be a pastor here. Now, we know that that's a big ask, because we know that you do really well, and we can't pay you anywhere near that. And Luke was just like, I, I fought it for months and months and months, and he let go of Seven figures in exchange for a small five. Man, I think that there are going to be some of us, I truly believe that God will raise up from amongst this family, those who he is calling, to say, look, I just want you to serve me. No matter what it costs or what you can't make, I want you to serve me. Man, some of you, it may not be costing you your job, but it may be costing you your comfort, where you live, where God's calling you to be. God still does call people to live in huts in Africa. It happens. 
God still calls people to go to places in which this gospel that we get to speak so freely is illegal and it can cost you your life. He may call me there and I need to be ready to say yes, but he may call you there and you need to be ready to say yes and let faith speak louder than fear. Maybe it's, maybe it's something a little more tangible here at the holiday season. Maybe it's something like giving someone family where there was none. Maybe it's adoption or fostering. We've had families that are here today that have, that have heard that, that have felt that pulling, and that have just said yes, no matter the cost, no matter the inconvenience, no matter the difficulty, no matter the court dates, the long, unknown, uncertain things. Thank you. Sorry. I love seeing Lucia sitting back there. When we believe fully, fear doesn't matter. Fear's not a factor, Joe Rogan. That's terrible. I'm sorry. That's an old pop culture reference, but believe conquers. Fear conquers. If we go on a little bit further and starting in verse 31, it says, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. In his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel said, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Man, here's the other thing that we need to learn from Mary. Faith says that we trust God and believe Him even in the midst of the unbelievable. Faith says that we trust God and we believe Him in the midst of the unbelievable. Like I think if we look at this story, like if we do, we have to look at it and we say, man, that is unbelievable. Not in the sense that someone shows up to late, shows up late to work every single day, like you're unbelievable, not that. But we look at it like this is unbelievable, like this is crazy. This should not happen. Do you know why? Because it should not. It shouldn't happen. He said, you're going to bear a son. It's going to be God with skin on, and, and it's not going to be any of your doing. It's just because you have made God smile. You have found favor with God. Our faith declares that we believe God even in the midst of the unbelievable. I mean, just crazy story. The longer we follow God, God will ask us to do things that scare us, but the longer that we follow God, and maybe even early in that day, God will ask us to do things that do not make sense. He will ask us to speak in places that do not make sense. He will ask us to speak to people that do not make sense. He will ask us to go and work in places that do not make sense. He will ask us to give of things that do not make sense. He will ask us to do things that are unbelievable. Sometimes they will be miraculous. Sometimes they will just be counter self. But he will ask us to do the unbelievable. And see, if we're trusting in, if we're trusting in ourself, if we're trusting in what makes sense, when he asks us to do that, we're going to say no. But if we understand beforehand that he's going to ask us to do crazy things, when he asks, we'll just say yes. The answer will be yes before the question's even asked. We have to believe God even in the midst of the unbelievable. And then I, I, think, I think the hard part for a lot of us is even before that, we need to, to enter into this life of following Jesus with an understanding that God's going to use me. 
not for my benefit, not for my kingdom, not for my walls, not for my gates, but for His glory, for the glory of the kingdom. A lot of us don't even believe that we're worthy of being used by God. And guess what? In your natural-born self, you're not. But because of Jesus, you're completely and utterly 100% worthy. And He will use you if your answer is yes. He will use you. So understand, usefulness is something that was created by God, not by you, and it can happen. It can happen in your home. It can happen in your workplace. It can happen on your street. God will use you. But we have to go into it with an understanding that he wants to and that he will well before he ever makes the request. That he can and that he will. We continue on a little bit further in verse 36. And, and after, she's disbelieving and, and she's doing all those things, but she's choosing belief. And he says, as proof, behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, behold or look, I am the servant. I am the bondservant. I am, the word there is literally, I am the slave. I'm the slave indebted to the master. I am the slave, the bondservant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. And the angel departed from her. I think the, the third thing and the last thing that we need to see about this type of faith is that very often it means that we are going to choose to serve even in the midst of unknown. We're going to choose to serve even in the midst of the unknown. Like Mary had no idea what was next. In all honesty, like Mary was just sitting here, probably still jaw on the dirt floor of just like, I have no idea what's going on, but here's my answer. I'm the servant of the Lord. I'll do whatever he asks. I'm the servant of the Lord. I'll do whatever he asks, even if I don't know what tomorrow holds, even if I don't know what next week holds, the next nine months hold, and what after that? Because you know at some point her mind had to race, okay, I'm going to have God with skin on. Do you think she didn't think about what was day one like? What would day two be like? Day three, month six, a year, two years, three years? Like, how am I going to raise God? Like, how am I going to do that? I'm sure at some point all of those questions came up, but her answer was just, I'm the servant. I'll do what's asked. The longer we follow Jesus, he's going to ask us to do things that are scary, the longer we follow Jesus, he's going to ask us things that are unbelievable, that do not make sense. The longer we follow Jesus, he's going to say, sometimes you're going to serve me and you're going to have no idea what's next. As a matter of fact, I would say not just sometimes. I, I, I honestly believe that that's most of the time. I do. I believe that it's most of the time. I think sometimes God will give us prophetic ideas and words through Scripture, through other people, through circumstance and things like that that can be affirmed through Scripture. But I think a majority of the time, it's not that we're serving in the dark, but we're serving with just, we don't know what tomorrow's going to hold. And that's okay. Because again, if we're trusting this Romans idea that God works together all things for the good of those who love him, called to according to his purpose, then we know that tomorrow's going to be okay, even if we don't know what it holds. We know that God's goodness has gone before us. God's goodness will continue to open doors, pave ways, even if his goodness and our goodness don't match up as far as definitions go. We know that we are the servant of the Most High God, let it be as he says. Sometimes faith declares, most of the time faith declares that we're going to be serving in the unknown. And man, 
I don't know, I, I don't follow into all these Enneagrams and things like that. That's not me, but I know a lot of people do, and, and a lot of people will walk up, and, and I, I would call them type A's, but they'll say, I'm an Enneagram 8, and I know that that's going to bother you if you're an 8, whatever that means, or an 8 with a one wing. I don't know. Most birds have two wings, and they fly really well, so I don't know what the point of one wing is, but either way, um, if you're an Enneagram person, you know what I'm talking about, or maybe I'm just butchering it all to pieces, but either way, like, I know we don't like functioning in the unknown. I think that's a huge component of faith, to trust God that He's got it, no matter what we don't know. I know it's hard. I get it. Like, I I want, I know my days are measured, and I know they're metered. I would just love sometimes for God to tell me what that looks like. But that's not always the way it works out. I am the servant of the Most High. Let it be, as you've said. These words, they haunt me more than any of them read this passage hundreds of times, like hundreds, literally. Like every year I go through these, and, and probably more than that, because I read through the Gospels on, a, on a, almost an, uh, every third month. I'll be in one of the Gospels, and, and I, I read this multiple times. And just, just Mary's sitting ability in the will of God with great faith amazes me. Hearing all of this crazy stuff, seeing all of this crazy stuff, and she just simply says, hey, look, hey, look, I'm the servant of the Most High. Let it be, as you've said, in the midst of fear, in the midst of the unbelievable, in the midst of uncertainty, Mary chose to believe. Mary chose to believe. Man, I wonder, I wonder if our faith is far too convenient most of the time. Let me, let me rephrase that. I wonder if my faith is far too convenient most of the time. I wonder if my faith is strongest when I know the plan. My faith is strongest when it's not scary. My faith is strongest when it makes perfect sense. I think if Bonhoeffer would have written another chapter after Cheap Grace, I think he would have said that's very cheap faith. Very cheap faith. Faith that doesn't really have any bones to it. Like structure to it. I think the faith that we desire is a faith with... Man, a resilient backbone, a resilient backbone, a good frame, a good structure, a good foundation that says no matter how scary I believe, no matter how unbelievable I believe, no matter how uncertain I believe. Man, this season as we look forward to the fact that Jesus came, God with skin on, born of a virgin that should not happen, man, I think if anything it should bolster the fact God can do anything He desires in any way that He desires. And He's asked us to come and partner with Him in the unknown, to partner with Him in the scary, to partner with Him in the unbelievable. Man, that should move us to celebrate. That should move us to worship. It should move us to be steadfast. It should build good, solid structure of faith. Man, this season, don't, don't be a bah humbug with Christmas. It's okay to celebrate Christmas. It's okay to do it well, even with Dave Ramsey parameters. It's okay to do that. But if, if anything speaks the loudest, let it be this. God has shown he can do anything. Let's partner with him in that. Let's believe him for that. And let it move us to worship. God, we love you. We thank you for your words. We thank you for the peace that is represented in Mary's bold faith. I pray that it 
it can be translated to us for us to see that we too can live in the same way. You may not ask us to do the same thing, but the same spirit is there. The same boldness can be there. The same purpose can be there so that all may know. So that every man, woman, and child has repeated opportunities to hear, touch, and respond to the gospel. God, same boldness you call us to have, same faith you call us to have, that you called Mary to have, and for the same purpose, your glory. God, I pray this season would bolster our faith. I pray that it would give good bones and good structure and good foundation to how we believe and how we exercise our faith in the midst of the scary, in the midst of the unbelievable, in the midst of the unknown. I pray we would choose to believe. Thank you, God, for calling us to more. We love you today. Thank you for Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. So we're going to take a little while and... um, celebrate the fact that Jesus did come, that Jesus did live, that he did die, and that he died for our sins, and we get to look forward to the day that he comes back. Sounds a lot like Advent, but it's also communion. And so at Origins, we have open, an open table, or today, open tables. Um, and so that means that if you're a, a Christ follower, if you've abandoned your sin in favor of Jesus, if you had trusted in his life, his death, his words, and his resurrection to make you right with God, then you are able to take communion. Um, and also, it also means that uh, according to Scripture that we need to be in good standing with God, that there doesn't need to be any sitting or unrepented, unconfessed sin. So if you need to do that, you do that today before you take communion. If you can't do that, it's okay to sit still. If you don't know Jesus, it's okay to sit still. If you want to today, man, I'd love to talk to you afterwards and meet you for coffee this week. Um, but today, the tables are open. Uh, we have things spaced out. And so if you would, uh, please, if your mask is not on, put it back on before you walk to the table and give people space. Walk up and just take one cup of each. Try not to cough or breathe on anything. Just take those two cups and then come back to your seat, and then we're going to take communion together in just a minute. Um, Let me pray, and uh, we'll worship and do that. God, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you, God, that we get to celebrate as a family today the fact that, that you did come, you did live, you did it all perfectly, and you died tragically for my sins for our sins. Today, God, I pray that we remember you. We remember your price. Um, But God, we also remember your victory. And Father, I pray that we look forward to the day while doing this, that we remember not only that you came once, but you will come again. And God, everything that's broken will be fixed for an eternity. And I pray as a family, we can celebrate that well today. We love you. And it's in your son's name I pray.